thank you for tuning in to the Doing Business with God podcast. Hey, you. Yes, you. I am your host, Michi Renee. It is Michi's passion to help you live your best life and do business God's way. Michi will be talking about entrepreneurship, manifestation, monetization, mindset, beliefs, starting and growing a business, nonprofit, or ministry, all while serving God. So welcome to My Daddy's Business. It's time for the show. It's the Doing Business with God podcast with your host, Michi Renee. Hello, tribe. Welcome back to another episode of the Doing Business with God podcast dedicated to helping you do business God's way. In this episode, I will be talking to Miss Michelle Harder. Michelle has over 20 years of experience in fundraising and nonprofit development, both as a consultant and as part of an executive team. Michelle earned a Bachelor of Arts with honors in psychology from Brooke University, followed by a Master of Arts degree in philanthropy and development from St. Mary's University in Minnesota. She is driven by a passion to help organizations, large and small, achieve their fundraising and strategic goals. Working alongside her father, Ben Harder, at Harder & Associates for 15 plus years, Michelle has proven knowledge and experience in successful faith-based fundraising, specializing in capital campaigns with churches of various denominations. Michelle is is sensitive to the culture of faith-based fundraising and has always upheld the highest ethical standards of her profession. Michelle has played a significant role in the nonprofit sector. Organizations such as Brock University, the Canadian Cancer Society, Lincoln County Humane Society, and currently at BNP Goldie Canada. Michelle has the capability to hit the ground running, facilitate the identification and implementation of actionable strategies for both maximum project efficiency and effectiveness. Michelle is active in her community, volunteering at her son's minor hockey association as a board member and avid athlete herself. She participates in triathlons and local charity fun runs. In addition to her passion for sport, Michelle also works with an international dog rescue from St. Lucia as a foster pup parent. Michelle, welcome to the Doing Business with God podcast. How are you today? I'm well, thank you. And I am very pleased to be here. I was listening to that bio and thinking, geez, I really need to uh, tone that down a little, maybe (laughs) make it a little shorter. You know, sometimes we have to put it out there. People don't know us, so we have to give them what they need. They need to know our background. They need to know that, you know, we have the knowledge and the skill and we can back up what we're saying. So no problem on that. All right. All right. (laughs) But thank you for joining us today. So I just want to, before we get into your story, I want you to talk to the people about, first of all, how you found the podcast or the information for the podcast, and then your email that you sent me, because it was so very profound. Okay, so I recently have joined a few Christian women's group, two in particular, Christian women entrepreneurs. And I've, I've actually gotten a really a lot of really good connections and good leads out of both of those groups. I would really strongly recommend anybody 
starting out in an entrepreneurial type of business to look into some of those groups. There's some really great information there. I don't go on very regularly. I can't say I go every day, but I did one day happen to pop on and your post about this podcast was the first thing I saw. And it was really early in the morning. I'm not sure why. I've been waking up around five o'clock in the morning recently. And uh, I think it was a post from the day prior. And I, I, I'm not even, I mean, I know I was meant to see it and I saw it and I was like, oh my goodness, I have need, I need to contact this girl. I need to see if I can get on this podcast with her. I'm looking at doing public speaking also as part of my repertoire of services. And, you know, a lot of those folks are asking for video clips. They're asking for things like this. And I am always like, well, I don't really have anything. You're just going to have to trust. And uh, that hasn't always cut it. So I thought, well, this is an opportunity. And I listened to your podcast and a lot of what you have had said in your intro podcast about why you created this uh, really spoke to me as well. And I just thought, you know, this is meant to be I, uh, I need to contact this girl and I need to see if she can help me and maybe I can help her. So here I am. Absolutely. And then in addition to filling out your application and wanting to come on, you then followed up your application with an email telling me a little bit about your story. That story from her email, guys, had me bawling for a day. (laughs) And the reason why the email had me crying is because I know you guys have been in a place where you have felt like maybe you didn't hear God correctly. Maybe you're not doing what God really told you to do. Maybe you're outside of his will. And that's kind of how I was feeling in that particular week when I got her email. And it just reaffirmed to me that what she said in there, what she felt, what she got was exactly what God wants people to get from this podcast, because this podcast was not done by Michi. This was a God-given podcast because many of you have heard me say, I never really liked the way my voice sounded. So for me to decide to do a podcast, that was definitely um, not something that I was really interested in. And so that email really touched my heart and it really just gave me hope, gave me It renewed my faith even stronger in the messaging that God has given me and the direction that he wants me to go in with both this podcast and in my business. So I'm grateful that you are even obedient to the spirit to even send the email because some people may not have, the spirit may have prompted them to do it and they would, would dismiss it or, oh, not right now, I'll do it later. And later never came. And so I'm just truly grateful that you even sent the email. So thank you for that. You're welcome. I definitely spent many years of my life dismissing those messages from God and or not even dismissing them, I suppose, but ignoring them just blatantly and thinking that I had a better plan. And uh, turns out I didn't. (laughs) And God kept coming back to me and kept knocking on my door and kept saying, I'm not done with you. We're not done with this. Right. Absolutely. So let's just get into it. So talk to me about Harder and Associates, your entrepreneurial start and journey with your father in that business that you guys were in. Yeah. So that's actually an interesting story. I was um, on my way to law school and I got uh, put on the waiting list and I I, I actually didn't get in that year. And I was like, okay, I'm going to go. I'll try again next year. I wasn't, I'm not a quitter. I was going to give it another go. And uh, my dad actually approached me um, knowing that I was going to have a year of time to kill before I went back to law school and said, why don't you come and work for me? And I, you know, 
really most of my life had sworn that I was never going to go into the ministry, that I was never going Uh-oh. to do that kind of work. <laughs> you said never. Uh-oh. I know, right? <laughs> never say never. Yep. That has come back on me more than once, I can assure you. <laughs> but I, uh, you know, I definitely had other plans for my life. Um, in any event, I, I thought, yeah, you know what? My dad's getting older. Our family is very dependent on him. And, and the income that he brings in. And I thought, you know, it probably would be good just from a, like a backup standpoint for somebody else to learn the business, for somebody else to know, you know, what's going on in case anything ever happened to him, that we could step in and things would, would still be fluid and, and would flow. And my brother and I had always worked with my dad and my mom was his secretary. Like we were definitely a family business, but none of us really knew what my dad did with the churches in his capital campaigns. We all just kind of worked behind the scenes at home, right? Nobody really went with him and did that. So he was inviting me to come and do that. And I thought, yeah, you know what? Okay, sure. Why not? And, uh, you know, he offered me a decent wage and that was fair. And uh, so I did. And I, within six months of working with him, I realized that this was what I was meant to do for the rest of my life. And I, I never reapplied to law school. I never looked back and I never, I, I stayed in fundraising. Actually at that point went on to get a master's degree down in the U S um, in philanthropy and development at the university of Minnesota. And it was actually uh, the very first master's program that was offered at the time. There are several more now throughout uh, the U.S. and actually one in Canada. But uh, at the time, it was the only one. So it was sort of a big deal to go down there and do that. And uh, I was excited to do it. And uh, we talked about, I was actually thinking about going to Bible college and getting a degree in theology. And, you know, my dad and I talked about it and he said, really, you know, Michelle, I think people are going to want to know that you know how to raise the money, not that, you know, you can preach from the Bible. And I was like, okay, that sounds fair. And, you know, since I've taken Christian history courses and certainly um, studied the Bible uh, a lot on my own, but I did pursue that, that graduate degree as opposed to the, uh, the, graduate degree in theological studies so mm-hmm. but yeah I'm uh, yeah so I ended up working with my dad for many many years and then I I met somebody and we had a couple of children and it just our marriage didn't stay together we didn't um, we didn't work so very quickly I found myself a single mom with two kids and I wasn't able to travel I wasn't able to keep up with the consulting because at that point you know uh, pre-covid everything was face to face. So I was on an airplane, I was in another part of the country, many days of the week and gone for long stretches of time. So being a single mom was just not conducive to that. So I took 10 years off, and I ended up going into industry. And that's when I worked at uh, the Canadian Cancer Society at Brock University, and some of the others. But during that time, uh, very sadly, my dad got dementia. Mm -hmm. And it was it was a really rough time for our family. Um, my brother tried to take over the business and it just, it didn't work. It didn't work for him. Um, he hadn't had the same kind of level of training. I think that I had had with my dad and didn't have the same background in fundraising, um, that it just, it didn't work for him. 
Um, and my dad really was a lot of big piece of that business. He was very well known in Canada as a, a man of God. And he worked at many different Bible colleges and he was just very well known. Right. So my brother and I both kind of struggled with that. Well, you know, at that time. So the business just folded up and it was done and, and that was it. So years later, when we were packing up the house and that my mom handed me a box and it had my name on it in my dad's handwriting. And, you know, I didn't really think too much of it at the time. How many years between that would you say that was? Between my dad passing and getting the box? Yes. At least a year or two. Okay. Yeah, it was at least a year or two. But it, I mean, it had been 10 years easily that I had been out of that kind of work, right? Okay. Like working with the churches, doing the capital campaigns and that kind of thing. So it had been a while since I had done that. Anyways, I opened the box and I kind of looked at it. I didn't really, I was like, oh, this is some of the stuff from the business. And I was obviously my parents moving and things were crazy. Um, I just put the lid back on the box and threw it in a corner in my house. Well, it was a couple of years after that, that I started going through some of that stuff. And I came across this box and it wasn't until that point that I realized that he had put in that box one of everything that he had ever done. Just one sample of everything and wow. basically gave me the blueprint. The framework. Oh, yeah. Yep. Framework yep. to do it. Yeah. Gave me the blueprint and gave <laughs> me the framework and gave me everything I needed. Right. Here's our business in a box, Michelle. And it was very overwhelming for me. I'm, sure. I'm sorry. I don't mean to get emotional. Oh, no. Get, get, get emotional because someone in the audience will need it. Basically, yep. your dad knew your destiny before you did. God probably gave him some kind of vision or something or another. He knew yep. enough that, you know, she'll come back to it. And he left that for you. I think so, you know, and I guess that's the part that, you know, makes me break down that, you know, I don't want to say it scares me, but it's, it's just overwhelming that, you know, just the things that God has done in my life and the places that God has put me and the opportunities that I've been given. And when that box opened up and I realized what it was, I mean, I kind of, I say to myself and I say to others, not in a joking way, but, you know, in my little world, it felt like I found the Holy Grail. And I was like, oh, here it is. <laughs> you know? I mean, I had kept bits and pieces of it. Um, you know, our business is so old that you'll laugh when I say they were on three and a half inch floppy disks. And probably oh, wow. a lot of millennials don't even know what those are. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, so it was, I mean, they were hard copies, but nonetheless, it was hard copies. Right. Then a few months after that, um, my dad had written three books also. And a publisher that he had become good friends with um, actually approached me and asked me for those books, said, I want to sell them. There's nothing in the market. Um, I want to try and sell your books, sell your dad's books. And I agreed. And, uh, you know, he, we, I gave him the books. And uh, then he said to me, you know, Michelle, they're not selling that well. What I really want you to do is rewrite these books. And I was a little intimidated by that, I have to be honest, but I like to write. So I thought, okay, you know, let, let's do that then. Let's, let's do that. So I'm actually just coming up to completion on, on that book. I'm on my last two chapters. Uh, whenever I get a writing block on one chapter, I just flip to another and keep going. So mm -hmm. 
I'm down to my last two or three chapters and hopefully it's going to be completed in the, the first or second quarter of next year. Um, that has taken me a significantly longer time to write than I had anticipated as well. But my mom also shortly after my dad passed, you know, got dementia as well. So, mm. you know, my brother's had some bouts with cancer, thankfully, praise Jesus, he is cancer free right now. So it was a rough couple of years in, yeah. in all of that. And so, I mean, there's definitely been been a timing for this. And, you know, there were times when I would be unhappy in a job and thinking, you know, I wish I had another job. I wish I could go back to consulting. And, you know, I realized that there's timing for everything and God has a time for everything. And even COVID right now is a time for everything. I know mm -hmm. some people don't want to hear that, but, right. you know, it's given, I think it's forced some people like myself to just, you know, look at things differently and and say how can we do this differently and i'm actually going to take this model of a capital campaign and turn it into something completely different that people can utilize on their own without me where i don't have to be face to face with them but they can still do their capital campaign and my dad actually did that he was a bit of a visionary in some regards ahead of his time but he had a self-directed capital campaign plan that he would offer to churches that you know wanted to raise 50 thousand or less than a hundred thousand and he really you know kind of felt bad charging them to do that but at the same time didn't have the time to take away from some of the other contracts right so he developed that and uh you know I'm going to redevelop that and I'm excited to just you know I have so many ideas coming into my head and so many ideas and you know I'm really excited to get going with this in the new year and uh yeah so absolutely that's that's an amazing story. Definitely, it is time now to do it because if it wasn't, you wouldn't be doing it. It presented itself exactly at the right moment that God wanted it to be presented. And so we hope that you are enjoying this episode. If you would like to be a guest, check the show notes for all the details. Let's get back to the Doing Business with God podcast with Michi Renee. Explain to the audience what a capital campaign is, because this audience is for businesses, nonprofits, and ministries. And so some of some of the people in this audience are there at the, the start, they're at the building point, and some may be even ready to scale. And okay. so yeah, if you would explain what that is and what you actually do and how you can help people. Right. So Sorry, I missed a little step in there. So when I was talking to the publisher, I told him I would want I wanted to go back to consulting. So he said, I have a few friends who are consultants, let's get you in touch with them in front of them. And that's how I met George at Goldie. And we have recently merged with um, a company from Quebec. So that's, that's how I came to work with them. But I what I've discovered my father's business and was always just solely focused on churches and faith-based organizations. And I think that is what really made it work because people knew that what they were getting, they knew they weren't dealing with a secular fundraiser. They knew they were dealing with a man of faith who understood the church and understood how Christianity and giving within that setting worked. Right. So when I went to Goldie, I don't know how to say this, but it just never really worked with the churches because Goldie was a secular company who just right. sort of, and I said, okay, I'm going to come to Goldie and I'm going to bring the church piece with me. 
and we'll promote that and we'll just, you know, that'll just be, you know, what, what I'll add to your existing business. But it never really got off the ground mm-hmm. and it never really went anywhere. And, you know, I guess over time, I realized it's because God wants me to do a God-focused business. Yes. He doesn't want me to split this between, you know, another company and and the churches. He wants me to focus and stay focused on the churches and helping them. And secular companies, well, consultants, uh, I guess, in general, um, are fairly high priced. My dad and I never were, which is, I think, why, you know, we we succeeded and had the success that we had with the churches. And every consultant that I talk to, and they're, you know, they're like, oh, you work with churches. They all have the same comment. And they say, oh, churches never want to pay. <laughs> and I, you know, I'm like, well, because they can't, right? I mean, churches... The reason that they're struggling financially is because, like, that's the reason they're coming to you. And, you know, unfortunately, this is the problem with all small nonprofits is that they don't reach out soon enough. They wait till they don't have any money, till they can't afford a consultant. And that's when they ask for help. And I saw that over and over and over again, actually, which is why I started working. I've always worked with grassroots nonprofits because they just don't even know how to get started. And, you know, I think that if you can, you know, like I had, we, we, we had plenty of contracts in the churches. So I was never, you know, lacking for money at that time with my dad. So I would help ever, nor would you ever when you're doing things um, and doing business with God, you're you're not going to, he's not going to leave his people begging for bread. He's going to no. take care of what you need, which is why your dad's business was blessed. Right. Because you weren't out here charging premium prices that you exactly. could have been charging yes. and the people would have struggled to pay it. Yes. So, yeah. We charged about half actually. Yeah. We charged about half. And I asked my dad one day and actually it was funny because the first time I heard him quote somebody I hope they didn't see the look on my face. I know my dad did, but, you know, I got in the car and I said, that's a lot of money, dad. And he says, yes, it is, Michelle. But he says, it's about half of what everybody else charges. And he said, don't think that you're not worth this. You know, what we do, you, we have to make a living too, but we have to make a fair living. So, you know, he kind of taught me, you have to, you have to be fair, but at the same time, don't undervalue yourself because you are giving them something valuable, right? And I think that's something that a lot of entrepreneurs, what I'm gathering out of the Facebook groups, comments and feedback from people is, is a lot of people are struggling to value what they have to share with people. And I think that they undervalue what they have. Absolutely. I see it in the people that I talk with, and it's more out of a lack or scarcity mentality that people don't believe that even though they're Christians, they don't really believe that God will do what his word says. They don't stand on the word. They don't put the word to, they don't work the word, so to speak. Right. Because the Bible was given to us to live by. And the number one reason why people struggle both in life and business is number one, you're not paying your tithes. You're not giving, you're not sowing seeds. So if you're not doing those things, you can't be blessed according to the word. And people will say, oh, but we're, we're in the new Testament. We're not under the law, but (laughs) 
but tithing wasn't under the law. Tithing was before the law. Yeah. And if people would study to show themselves approved, they would know that. And so in order to get any blessings that God has for you, it starts with tithing and giving. So if Absolutely. you if you're not giving your 10% back, start today. Yeah, I would agree. I've uh, So getting back to capital campaigns and the services that we provide. So often a church will call us and say, you know, sort of one of two things. Our budget's failing. We're having a budget shortfall. We're declining in attendance. And, you know, we're just sort of in, in a bit of a downward slide, right? Or we've taken out some loans to help uh, do this, and now we have debt. So that is one type of church that calls, that is in sort of the downswing of their organization, I suppose, their organizational life, their life circle there. And then the other kind of church that will call is a church that's on the upside of their growth cycle. So, you know, we have a very vibrant minister, we have a vibrant ministry, we have a lot of people, we're we're growing, we're, we're doing multiple services now in one church because we can't get everybody in in one service into the sanctuary. And, you know, we, we need to raise some money because we're going to build a new church. So obviously, the one church is a much better environment to raise money in because there's, <laughs> there's, <laughs> yes. yeah, there's growth and there's excitement and people are excited. No and the other, Yeah. And the other church, um, you know, there's, there's a lack of that. And really, the, the thing that comes down to it for both of these is vision. And that is the factor that you know, if you have a clear vision and a clear purpose for your church and what you stand for and what you're doing, people get behind that. Now, you know, that's not to say that everyone's going to agree with your particular vision, but lots of people will. And if they don't agree with you, they'll go down the street to the next church where they find a vision and a purpose and a mission that they do agree with. So, and that's the other thing too. I think that a lot of churches that head into that decline phase Um, you know, be it that, you know, the people are, the elderly generation is aging, and at the end of aging is dying. And if you don't have young families coming in to your church, if you don't have a good Sunday school program, eventually, the attendance just declines because of natural progression of aging. And uh, that, again, it comes back to vision and purpose and mission. And but you get So a lot of churches find themselves, so we have this older generation and they like the old traditional hymns and the old traditional services, but we want to attract the younger people. What do we do? And they find themselves, you know, not being able to please everyone, right? And you can't please everyone. But to in that instance, a lot of churches, uh, what they'll do is have two services, right? So they'll have a contemporary service for the younger folks and a traditional service for, you know, the older, the older generation. Mm -hmm. And it's not to say, I mean, that there aren't some people from the older generation that love the new choruses and love the new songs and will go to the contemporary services with their kids and their grandkids. And that's really what you want. I mean, you know, you want the family to come back to church. You want, but if you don't give the younger generation something to, come back to they're not going to come right right. so you know i mean at travel genie we make your travel dreams come true we customize your trip we create itineraries book airfare hotels cars and event tickets we don't just book travel 
We create experiences. Travel Genie has four trips planned for 2021. San Francisco, Essence, Toronto, and Bali. A $100 deposit gets you started. Use the link below for more information. Find us on Instagram and Facebook at Travel Genie 2017 and online at TravelGenie.com. What you do help nonprofits as well, or is it just for churches? No, it's for it's for nonprofits as well. Yeah, I worked with we worked with as long as they were a faith based organization. Um, we worked with camps, summer camps. We worked with uh, schools, um, okay. quite a few private schools, Bible colleges, all kinds of things. So, really, if you know, as long as you're a, a faith based organization, that's that's you know what we would focus on now. You know, there are because there are a lot of Christian nonprofit organizations out there that aren't a church. Right. Right. And I think what people don't realize, this is why it's, you know, well, I'm going to give you a couple statistics here. And these are loose statistics, but roughly between 30 and 35 percent of all giving goes to religious organizations. Mm. Now, the next like 25 to 30 percent goes into uh, healthcare and social services um, you know, and then universities, art galleries, and, and, you know, sort of fall in after that. But, you know, in that 35%, there's a lot of different organizations it's going to. But, I mean, that's a big piece of that pie. Yeah, you know, in Canada, it's $10 billion, right? In the US, I think it's, it's closer to like 300. But uh, it's, it's significantly more because you are significantly bigger than we are. But it's a lot of money when you think about it. And, you know, you have to ask yourself, well, why are our churches struggling when there's this much money going into religious organizations, right? Right. So, you know, they're, I mean, I, I could give you an eight-hour lecture on why, <laughs> but, you know, we have a few minutes here. But, you know, that's sort of one of the things that we also do. Uh, so we'll go in and we'll do a financial assessment on your church, right, on your congregation, you know, and find out who's giving and what they're giving. And, you know, there's a 2080 factor that applies to actually congregations and nonprofits alike, where 20% of your constituency is probably giving you 80% of your funds and the rest of your constituency is giving you, you know, the 20%, the other 80% is giving you the 20%. And specifically in a lot of churches, you will be 25, 30, even as high as 40 or 50% of a congregation that give almost nothing or less than $500 a year. On average, mainline churches are at about one and a half to two and a half percent of income. And evangelical churches are up a little higher at probably three and a half to five, four and a half, five percent. So, I mean, there's a lot of room left there for tithing. Right. And my dad used to always say, you know, giving in the church is a biblical issue. It's a discipleship issue. It's not a money issue. Right. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, he's, I mean, you know, he used to always kind of make this joke and he'd wink at the treasurer at the meeting and say, wow, if everybody in the church tithed, you know, we wouldn't be sitting here, would we? And right. it's true. We wouldn't, yeah. right? Yeah, that was you know, that and, point that I was just made earlier is, yep. you know, if we just, people don't realize it's God's money, yes. all of it. Yes, all of it. And I would rather have the 90 and be blessed on it then have the hundred and be cursed on it. And then the Bible says, vengeance is mine. He could just decide, oh, she's not going to give me back my tithe. Take the job. From yep. And then what situation would you be in? 
at that point. You know, I just want to go back to something that you said, because my father and I used to talk about this tithing question a lot. And, you know, people would always say, well, do I tithe before tax on the before tax money or the after tax money? And my dad would laugh and he'd say, well, I I would suggest that it would be more than you're doing now if you tithed on either one of them. Right. I mean, if you're asking me that, but (laughs) getting back to that New Testament, you know, he was always he always said, you know, people think that under the New Testament grace that they don't have to tithe anymore. And he said that's not actually true. He said, you know, Jesus was actually asking that you give more than the tithe. Right. And that under God's grace, that, that you should be more bountiful than you were under the Old Testament law. Right. And I, you know, I mean, I think, I don't know why, I'm not going to begin to speculate on why, but I find it an interesting conversation, you know, talking about the tithe and, you know, how people try to justify why it, it's not necessary anymore, why they don't have to do that. And yeah, I just, I, I think those are interesting conversations. And again, you know, for churches and organizations that are struggling, you know, if you set a standard for giving and you say, this is the expectation and that expectation is high at you know, the level of the tithe, you know, you'll, you'll probably be lucky to get half of that. But if you say anything will do, that's what you'll get, you'll get anything, which is nothing. So absolutely, I totally agree. Yeah. So the books that you are currently updating and writing, what types of books are these? And where will they be sold? So people can actually go and, and buy them and check it out. So currently, Uh, There are three of them. One is 16 ways to increase the giving in your church. The other, a second one is the seven myths of church fundraising. And then the third one is specifically for capital projects. And it's called fundraising for church capital projects. There is actually a fourth one as well that we did in conjunction with an architect who we worked with regularly. Actually, we were partners with him as well, David Parker. And that one is called money and buildings. So money and buildings as well, I am going to be turning into a, a course, an online course. And I'm going to be hopefully working with David Parker if he agrees to do it with me. Um, and we'll be, you know, selling that for folks that are looking at uh, doing capital building projects. And I'm not sure if I ever really answered your question about capital building project well enough, but basically okay. it's people that are doing a special appeal. So, you know, um, you know, churches that are growing or again, you know, have debt retirement and they just, you know, it, it's difficult to, without some sort of process and plan to get people to increase their giving just because you want them to. So it's a whole layered level of going and talking to people about the project, about why you need the money, asking them if they have any questions or concerns about it and getting their feedback. And that is an integral part of it is taking that time to educate and make sure that people understand what you're asking for and why you're asking for it and then helping them to understand why why they should be a part of it and again going through some of that stuff that we talked about with um, tithing and what you know how god wants you to manage your money and and how you know you can be a part of that that capital project and uh, and then at the end there's a final response phase where we you know facilitate people we always say it's it's not really asking for money but it's preparing the donor to respond and it's taking that time to prepare people about 
you know, and, and educate people about the biblical principles of stewardship. So when you get to the end of the campaign and you, you know, give them that commitment card, they're ready. They, they understand why they need to be a part of the campaign. They understand that they need to make a sacrificial gift. Another thing we used to always say is people have different levels of ability to give, but, you know, people can make an equal sacrifice. So we'd often refer to the widow's might and how, you know, Jesus said that she made a bigger sacrifice than all of the other people that had given money because she gave, of, 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 she gave everything she had. She gave the very last thing that she had. So she made the biggest sacrifice. So our motto for a lot of these campaigns was not equal gifts, but equal sacrifice. Exactly. And that's sort of something that we, you know, like wanted people to really understand and really own, you know. So for these next three years in this campaign, you know, we want you to, to really make a sacrifice for the church and for the kingdom of God and for what we're doing here and you know, it's not just about a shiny building. It's about what's going to be accomplished inside that building or what's going to be accomplished because of those funds that you're raising. And that's, you know, expanding the kingdom of God and bringing people to, to, to Christ. So Absolutely. ultimately, I mean, it's ultimately. Which, which brings me to my next question. So how do you do business with God? Well, I'm not sure what you mean exactly. So basically the way that I do business with God. So this is a kingdom focused business. So I'm the COO. God's the CEO. He is the leader. I am the co-founder. And the way that I do business with God in my business is everyone knows up front that this is a Christian business. So we may not may we pray before a meeting. Um, we reference the Lord, the Bible, you know, all those different things and people who are not comfortable with that, then they're not my client. Then they're not who I'm going to do business with because that's the way that I'm choosing to do business with God in my business. Right. Okay. So that's actually like some of the issues that I've been having or that I feel that I've been having, you know, trying to do this through like the secular company that I'm working with now. And, you know, don't get me wrong. They're a great company. They're, they're fantastic. But I just like their focus is not on God and their focus is not on Christianity. And I just really think that that's been, you know, holding, holding, holding me back and holding, you know, holding, I think God's been holding me back, to be honest, to to make me realize that that's not how he wants it done. And I think that that's why I haven't had tremendous success through those companies with the churches, because I just, I, I just don't think that's what God wants. And so I've, I've really, you know, I'm just in, in my, the starting of going back to doing business with God on this journey. So I uh, absolutely, you know, we used to pray before our meetings, right you know, regularly, God was a part of everything that we did. And, you know, I said many times after I went into the secular world, and I realized how cutthroat and competitive it was, it was really hard for me. And I used to kind of be like, I just want to go back to work with the churches, because, you know, like they're, it's just a better environment. And I just, uh, I don't know, I just found myself more comfortable there, I suppose, uh, you know, with, with fellow Christians, being able to talk about my faith and just make my faith part of everything that I did and including my work. Right. Totally understand that. 
that is perfect. Join the movement and sign up for the 365 Days of Hearing God's Word Challenge. Check the show notes for all the details. Right now, it's time to get back to the episode. It's the Doing Business with God podcast with Michi Renee. So one of our core values here at Unicorn Tribe is we are all about fun. So what do you do for fun? (laughs) Well, up until this year... I coached hockey for fun. (laughs) Oh, wow. Okay. I know, right? Uh, Who would think? Um, Actually, well, so because I have a background in nonprofit, and uh, when my son started playing hockey, I couldn't help but notice all these frazzled people running around trying to keep up. And uh, so I approached one of them one day and I said, are you folks by chance looking for any volunteer and they were like yes yes we are absolutely and I said okay I I would be willing to do that what sort of positions you know do you have available and in a very short period of time I became a trainer which is basically the health and safety person on the hockey bench then I became a coach and I also became a board member so that's sort of what I I did for fun and I really I I enjoyed a lot Uh, the other thing I do for fun is I run and uh, I do triathlons. I, I used to just run. And then that I did a marathon or half marathon, I should say. Oh, wow. Half, half the distance. I don't want to give people the impression I did a full marathon. <laughs> 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 but it was, um, it was grueling. It was really hard. And it really kind of put me off running for a long time. And when I went back to running, I was like, I want to do something different. I, I like these longer events, but I want to also, like, I just, I don't want to run for two hours I can't do that like I just you know (laughs) it was it was really I was delusional by the time I got to the end of it actually the funniest part of it was the Niagara Falls International Marathon and the girl who ran the full marathon was coming up to the finish line the exact same time that I was coming up to it running the half marathon so that was awesome she actually ran twice the distance in the same amount of time as I did but she was epic and uh, <laughs> anyway so they told me you know they're like okay can everybody just move to the side we've got the winner of the marathon coming through and I'm like what I'm the winner no that can't be right it can't be me and I, you know because you're delusional right <laughs> I had just run for three hours. Anyway, so she goes blowing by me and I was just like, oh, you're awesome. I love you. Look at you go. You just ran like twice the distance in the same amount of time. Anyway, so I, after my delusions of uh, half marathoning, I, uh, <laughs> I went to, I went to triathlons and that actually, well, I love it. It's uh, the transition between the swim and the bike and the run. It's uh also grueling, but it's uh, mentally more challenging. So I stay more engaged in that uh, in that race. And I have dogs. I love my dogs. So I run a lot with them. And uh, I don't know, I've been running since I was 10 years old. And now I'm over 50. And I'm still running. So I feel blessed and happy to to still be running at this age. That's amazing. I have not done a half marathon, but I have done a 10k, which was the 6.2 miles. Yeah. So I always put it on there that I wanted to train and run a marathon before I turn 50. I don't know if that's still a goal or not. I still have some years, but yeah, I don't know. Yep. 
<laughs> well, that was actually, I came across a girl said the same thing. And she's like, I want to run a marathon by the time I'm 50. And I was like, oh, that's a great goal. Maybe I should think about that. And I didn't give it any thought because I, you know, that was 10, 15 years ago before I had my kids. And, uh, but after I had the kids and, you know, was getting back into shape and getting back into running, I was like, oh, maybe I will kind of, you know, think about doing that. And, you know, it wasn't until a couple of years ago that, and actually I did it through the Canadian Cancer Society. We partnered um, with them at that event to run one of the water, the refreshment or hydration stations. That's what they call it, hydration stations. Mm -hmm. And uh, so I said, you know what, I volunteer at a lot of these events. How about I participate in this one and I will do some fundraising. And actually I ran on behalf of my brother because he had the CLL at the time. Mm -hmm. And uh, yeah, so it was, it was a lot of fun and it was a really good, great experience. But like I said, it was a, a very grueling run. And uh, it took the fun out of running for me. And so I, I don't, I'm not sure I'll ever do another one. But, uh, <laughs> but I did do it before I was 50. So I guess I, I, I half got my goal. I got my half marathon goal before half, I was 50. Half, so, but it, you know what, I would encourage anyone to do it really. It's, it's, it's good. It's a level of discipline you know, that I think is good for people. And it's, it's an, it's an amazing accomplishment. Like once you do actually drag yourself across the finish line, even if you're crawling, when they put that metal around your neck, you know, you're just like, yeah, I did do that. Didn't I like, wow, 22.1, 21.2, whatever it is. Um, wow. That, you know, I did it. And yeah, I mean, I didn't run it particularly fast. I came in just under three hours. So it was, uh, but it was good for me. I mean, I said, as long as I do it under three hours, I'll be happy about that. And uh, I did. So. That's awesome. That's awesome. Yeah. So what advice would you give someone that wants to start a business, a nonprofit or a ministry? Well, I would say to get, you know, get a good support network and, and have a good plan. Now, that's not to say that you have to have all the details worked out. I mean, if, you know, if you feel a calling to do something as ridiculous or as crazy as you think it sounds, it's probably not. And I would just say to persevere. And there's a lot of setbacks in, in getting a business up and running. And there's a lot of technical side to it. It's expensive. There can be a lot of legal issues. I would say, you know, find, find a tribe. Find some people that can help you navigate some of those issues early on. Because those, uh, you know, those are the things that can kind of hang you up a little bit. And even myself, I, uh, I struggle with some of the technology. Thank goodness my brother is pretty good at that. So he's going to help me with my website and some of that stuff. But, you know, some of that stuff can cost you a lot of money. And you sometimes you're not going to always get what you want. It's it's great to believe that everybody's in out there in business to help you. But some people are in business just to help themselves. So, you know, it, it, it helps to find the right people. I think, to help you get started. But that's also, you know, can backfire on you because people sometimes can be really negative. And even people that are close to you, sometimes, you know, maybe they don't want to see you succeed. So you have to be able to cut through some of that and just stay focused on the message that God is sending you. And, you know, I see, I see um, messages from God almost daily. 
And much like you, Mishi, when I was, I have a Facebook page. That's maybe something I could mention. I have a Facebook group called uh, Women in Faith, Philanthropy, and Finance. And I added the finance piece in, obviously, because money is a very big part of philanthropy. And I think it's a big part of our faith, too. So, but I, so when I started the Facebook group, I kind of put it up there and I was having some doubts and I wasn't really sure. And then lo and behold, somebody from South Africa just, somehow found me and asked to join my group and I was in tears when I saw it and I was like okay god I guess this is this is (laughs) this is just like you right like you know like okay I guess you want me to do this there's my first person in my Facebook group and you know I've only still I think got 10 people in there and two of them are friends of mine but uh you know it's growing slowly but it's growing and it was just you know, another message that, yeah, you know, we're going to do this and we're going to do it on my time and just, you know, follow me and we'll, we'll get it done. And so that, that's what I've been trying to do. And, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm a reformed type A personality. (laughs) So it's hard for me to do things sometimes you know, um, to be patient. I guess that's one of my biggest challenges. I sometimes just want to charge into everything and come on, let's do this. Let's get this done. And, uh, you know, the, the learning, the patience and learning the waiting and the timing uh, of God's timing has, has been a, a lesson that I've really, you know, needed to learn. So, but I'm, I'm, I'm willing to wait. And because, you know, everything's happening now and everything's coming together and I can see it and I can feel it. And I, I just, my faith in this is stronger than it's ever been. So I am unwavering in this and I would encourage anybody out there, just listen, not to your heart, but listen to what God is putting in your heart and listen to the messages around you and the people that, you know, God is putting in front of you and connecting you with, you know, take, take that step, take that step and do it. Just do it. Absolutely. That is always my advice as well is do what God is telling you to do. Sometimes it's crazy. Sometimes it doesn't make any sense. Sometimes it's scary, but you still have to do it. So you are being obedient to what the call is because it's all for his glory. Right. You know, it's making me think of Peter walking on the water. You know, don't look down. Look at me. Keep walking. And I think that's what we all have to do. Absolutely. So how can people get in touch with you if they want to work with you? Uh, They can contact me at my email. So it's uh, mharder at kojiko.ca. In probably about three weeks or a month, I will have everything up and running on my website. So you can contact me there also. It'll be uh, harderconsulting.ca. Or you can go through Facebook and find me on that. uh, I have a Harder Consulting page on Facebook. And I personally am also on Facebook. And then I also have that Facebook group, uh, Women in Faith, Philanthropy and Finance. And anybody listening, um, if you work in any one of those sectors, or you're just, you know, someone who follows hard after God, you know, feel free to join my uh, feel free to join my Facebook group. There's lots of uh, tip uh, tidbits and insights and uh, tips in there for fundraising, I'm going to branch more into finance. I have one friend who's a finance person, but she's not posting very much right now. So hopefully I can encourage her to start posting some more stuff. Um, but we'll, we're just starting. So we'll, we're going to grow together and we're going to grow to God's glory. Absolutely. 
Thank you so much for your time today. It's been amazing speaking with you. Tribe, I pray you enjoyed this episode of the Doing Business with God podcast. Help us grow by subscribing on whatever platform you are listening to us on. Share this episode and pass this on to others. Give us a review and let us know what you think. And we will talk with you on the next episode of the Doing Business with God podcast. Bye. Thank you so much for tuning in to the Doing Business with God podcast. If you love this podcast, please share it with your family and friends. Leave us a review and help us grow. We also want to hear about your biggest takeaways. Take a picture of this episode and tag us on Instagram stories under Doing Business with God. And we'll see you next episode. I am your host, Michi Renee. Get clear, God strategy secure the bag. Have the most amazing day ever. You've been listening to the Doing Business with God podcast.